it is a way to discuss many things, including sexuality or birds and bees. Not to say that we're opposed to using greenhouses and groweries and so forth, but that cannot be the exclusive thing. Snoop. I love Snoop. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Reddit at New Age PC and watch the whole conversation on YouTube. This is the New Age Cannabis Podcast, where we take a fresh look at all things cannabis from an African perspective. Join us and our awesome guest as we walk through the endless capabilities and benefits of cannabis. Today, we're speaking with Dr. Desta Magoo, a creative consultant and cannabis advocate from Ethiopia. She also serves as liaison to the AU for the Ghana-based Diaspora Africa Forum, as well as on the advisory board of AfriHelios. Mama Desta, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here with you all. It's just an honor to have these sort of platforms available where we can share insight and change the narrative that has been placed on this beautiful, precious plant, cannabis. And that, I think, brings me straight into our first question. What brought you to cannabis? What what brought you to the plant? I'm going to be 60 this year. And very frankly, when I moved to Jamaica, my story is a migrant story. Moved here with my family as a tween. And... At the age of 12, so by the time I was 13 years old, I think the stress of being in a highly racialized country in the 1970s, not in Jamaica, you know, it's an island, you know, everybody knows everybody and most of all, it's a black country. And so I started gravitating to activism and the arts which ganja was a part of that, you know, in the 1970s, particularly in New York where I was. And so as a, as a young person, it became part of how I dealt with the stress, that environment of racism that just basically was the um the order of the day in a very cold in a very overt manner now it's more covert here in the united states so that was really i think the entry point for me finding this precious plant because funny enough in jamaica where you're familiar with cannabis from sort of the tropes associated with rastafari which i was not born into a rastafari family you know come from uptown and all of that i never even gravitated to it or was interested until, as I said, you know, race, racism and those things helped me find it as a path of coping. Okay, so it was a coping mechanism uh, during your activist days. And, how, and imagine, how did... I'm like 14, 14. <laughs> wow. <laughs> we won't tell anyone. <laughs> <laughs> Keep that between us. <laughs> but again, it shows you the beauty of this plant in terms of because I was always a straight A student. I mean, I've got enough degrees and letters and all of that behind my name. So again, the notion that what this plant will do and not to say, I mean, everything affects everybody in a different manner, just like sugar. There's some people that cannot take an ounce of sugar because it sends them off the wall. But just the nature of this plant that has the principles for relaxation, for focus, for all levels of addressing 
you know, sort of mental, meditative, medicinal, nutritional aspects? So um, I think I'm going to just ask a slightly different question to the first one. With all of that, I guess it's it's the uh, personal human side of it. But from a developmental standpoint, how do you see cannabis assisting the African continent? Because obviously it's now become, and it previously was a cash crop, where it can assist African economies, especially if you look at the, the depth of which uh, cannabis can engage any economy, whether it be in your transport infrastructure, your agricultural, et cetera, et cetera. How do you see it helping Africa develop going forward? Absolutely. Um, Let me start by saying it's the perfect time. With the African Free Trade, um, Continental Free Trade Agreement, which basically 54 out of 55 countries have signed on to, and it's been ratified, we now have the largest trading bloc in the world with 54 countries. And WTO, IMF, none of them have any jurisdiction over this because it's within the continent, right? So we have the ability, right, the platform and the framework to be able to introduce cannabis on many levels, whether we're talking agriculture, whether we're talking medicinal, whether we're talking climate change and bringing in crops that can be grown to make everything from paint and bricks and clothing and so forth without degradation of the earth, understanding climate change, limited resources, limited water and all of this. This is the perfect time for us to adapt this. The cautionary note here is that like with so many other things, Europeans come in and already we've seen Canada, you know, kind of scooping in, looking at the CBD market as, you know, they're, they're everywhere, right? So it definitely has economic, social, cultural. There's so many aspects that cannabis can help the economy of the continent and whether on large scale or small scale, because again, in Africa, what keeps things going are the small businesses. Mm. Is that lady that have that two suitcase that take it from Ghana, right? To sell her cassava or whatever it is across to Sierra Leone that takes fish from here. I have friends that take coffee from Ethiopia, honey from one place. You understand? So we're not talking necessarily huge companies, conglomerates that run the continent. It's still small businesses. And so with cannabis, we have that ability to be able to look at whether large or small scale while scaling businesses. So it's the right time and the opportunities are there. It's for us now to change the mindset because we still have the American mindset of smoke ganja. It's going to kill you. They'll go out and rape. You know, the whole propaganda that came about with the DuPonts, right? And, And the Hearst because they wanted to push plastics and other things and timber and cut down the forest. We know the story, right? So you build a whole propaganda machinery around it. And Africa has subscribed to it because of a a, a lot of reasons, because you've got the UN who has subscribed to it. So now that the, the, the UN is shifting perspectives and America is shifting, and I understand the Supreme Court is also looking at now that variation between how the federal, because it's still illegal federally in the United States while states to states are legalizing. So what's happening here, if Africa is wise and keeps their fingers on the pulse and looks at it, it will be a major, major transformational point for us on many levels. And even where the medicinal part is concerned, because the continent with malaria, with so many things, that plant cannabis has the ability to to deal with everything that you can name from A to Z. No, that's that's, that's quite true. Um, I think 
With that said, in terms of where the cannabis legislation is across the continent, where I think South Africa is the only country that has come close to anything around adult use or medicinal, whereas the rest of the continent is mostly industrial and export. Do you think we've already started getting it wrong? Can we steer it right? And if you were to speak to the leaders right now with regards to what they would need to do to get cannabis legislation right, what would you say to them? You know, the first thing is emancipate yourself from mental slavery. None but ourselves, right? None but ourselves can free our mind, which means that we have to start from scratch in how we view this plant. That's the first thing. The second thing is to listen to the experts. We have experts who are doing research and development and can give you the precise information based on your country because, you know, 55 countries, different climates, different concerns, different needs, and so forth. So country by country, to be able to look at what is best for your country and your people and, and how you can benefit in so many ways. But again, from a country, country perspective, where the African Union is concerned, however, because that is the secretariat, if you will, that implements they also have a responsibility to be able to share information and provide expert, you know, statistics and research and so forth with the individual countries. But it really does start with that point. Let's start from scratch on this and let's exclude the colonial and Western narratives that allowed us, first of all, to be in the position that we are, you know? So that's the first thing I would start from more of a philosophical state um, um, point of view and then go right into the research and development. Because there's so much research and development there that we can use. So this is not about, oh, you know, I feel iry, let's smoke. And it's not about those tropes and red, gold, and green. You know, that's so 90s. You know, we're talking about the 21st century where white boys are making billions of dollars while black people are still sitting in jail for a joint. Mothers are still having their children ripped from them because they may have smoked a little joint to get them through, whether breastfeeding or whatever it may be. So let's rethink this whole thing. And and this the third point I would want to make is set up a an office within your agriculture or health of ministry or both, you know? So this way you're really getting the information properly and based on your protocols within your country for any new crop that may be introduced. I mean, how are we looking at GMO? How did that just get it? Right? <laughs> agriculture had to look at that somehow, right? Ministry of Health. When they say they want to send in a COVID vaccine, isn't somebody of Ministry of Health vetting that? So it's the same thing that we have to follow. Let's follow it without bias. The same protocols that we use for anything new that's introduced to the continent. Yeah. You know, sorry, yeah. I think you mentioned the whole idea that when people talk about cannabis, it's all about, you know, smoking and getting high. What kind of stigma have you found in Africa, especially around women using and accessing cannabis? Again, you know, being Rastafari for over 40 years, I've dealt with this and heard this my entire life and continue. And we still see t-shirts with a big spliff in a red, gold, and green, you know, and the notion from a female perspective that if you smoke, you're basically imagining like an opium den where this one woman and, and sexual encounters with numerous men and all this sort of thing. But again, we have to understand that these are not on normal images and propaganda that the West has painted about black women. You know, they've already already said that we're, what's the word that they use? Um, oh my gosh, it's slipping me now, but that's part of the ganja thing. Anyway. <laughs> 
You know, I, I specifically know, didn't smoke right now. That we're promiscuous, yes. right? Yes. Black women are yes. promiscuous. Yes. Yes. If you, you know, a 13-year-old woman yeah. looks like a 20-year-old woman. Mm. And, you know, so it's nothing new. What they do when they add cannabis to it, because it's not about that. It's about the black image. And we have to be very clear because if it was about the plant, it would not be legalized now and making billions of dollars for TrueLive and these other companies. So obviously it's something else. So we have to take responsibility, right? And, and take back. It's a plant, Right. Especially for the, the, the Christians or Muslims or those who subscribe to sort of the spiritual um, heights and so forth. It's a plant and everything that the most I has created has a value. It was George Washington Carver that said there are no weeds because everything has a purpose. That's true. That's true. Um, you touched on um, a woman breastfeeding. Are they actually properties that assist with women who are struggling to breastfeed? Well, you know, information I have is anecdotal. I gave birth to 10 children. So I think I've got a little experience, (laughs) you know, with it. And I can tell you everything from the morning sickness Mm. right through to the nursing, lactation and so forth. Now, it may be the fact that, um, well, first of all, it's known cancer patients use it for nausea and other effects of chemotherapy. Yes. And again, for my morning sickness, imagine you're vomiting constantly for three months and you're not eating. How is that in the best interest of the baby? You know, and it wasn't, you know, it's just that one little draw in the morning or that one little cup of tea in the morning that would take away the nausea and allow you, your appetite opens up, you can eat. And and that's basically it. So that was my regimen where the nursing is concerned again. Now, whether it is something that is actually in, I would have to defer to a research scientist. For me, it was the relaxation part of it, you know? And if you're relaxed, that's all part of nursing. They tell you get into a comfortable space with the baby and so forth. So you're creating an environment internally and externally in order to nurse. And I had twins, my nine and 10 were identical twins. So I'm nursing in all different styles. You know, it's like, give me a joint. You know, and, and, and so again, and, and all 10 of my children are completely normal, you know, well grounded, well rooted, college educated, they're, you know, functioning in society. I've, I've never had any problems with them. And in most cases, they'll say, you know, your statistics, right? One out of 10 or and all 10, I got 10, 10, 10 out of 10, 10 out of 10, <laughs> you know, but again, this is anecdotal. Yep. And I would defer to the scientists and the researchers, which there are now research. There is no research being done in these areas. But again, for me, it was a lifesaver. You know, I mean, even I I was doing my Juris Doctorate when I was nursing my twins, my number nine and 10. And so, you know, you're studying, you're reading a hundred pages plus a night and juggling, you know, babies and house and husband and everything. So, I mean, it worked for me. So how does... Um, I'm sure you don't... Sorry, sorry, Aku. I'm sure you don't mean literally juggling the babies. (laughs) 10 is a lot. that too. That too. (laughs) Gotta keep the biceps up, right? Sorry, I'll be it's, it's, it's very interesting. So, um, how did you 
or implement canna parenting, you know, parenting with cannabis in your household and with your kids and as well. Being a, an activist, how do you teach your children what uh, responsible cannabis use is like? Mm-hmm. You know, being again Rastafari, the center and the core of cannabis, it, it, it relates to it as a sacrament. So it was always not we're just smoking and getting high kind of thing, but there's a time and a place for all things. You know, and I did not have my children burning and smoking when they were young. That was just my choice. You know, I feel that you need a certain intellectual and and, and physical space to be in to help make those decisions unless it's medicinal use. Right. If it's medicinal use, then you're the parent and you're making the choice for the child. Your dosage is on point, all of that. But in terms of spiritual or sacramental use, it was more discussion, you know, and there were certain Bible passages that, you know, were read before we would burn. That kind of thing is what they were. You know, and I remember my teenage sons, my three sons, when I first kind of smelled, they're like, oh, they're smoking. There may have been, there were teenagers to like, I think maybe 13, 14, 15. I was like, oh no, we're going to have that talk because that's not how we do it. So they came in and we sat down and we discussed it. And I was like, and, and you don't have to hide. This is nothing to be ashamed of. So we had to have that discussion with them, but what is appropriate? And it's no different than any other discussion yeah. about relationships. You know, anything at all that you want to put into your body or have in your surroundings, you need to be a responsible parent to have that discussion with your child, even books that they're beginning to read, right? Or shows that they're going to watch on TV. So I didn't see this as sort of a set aside. This is a part of our normal parenting package. And how do I talk to my child to bring them into a sense of awareness and consciousness of what this is, how we use it, how we relate to it, how do we see it, you know? So yeah, that, that, that's, that's quite it. true because a lot of the times, well, I know for me, for example, the conversation about cannabis has, I have a five and an eight year old, has been easier than what the birds and the bees will be i'm definitely going to struggle with the birds and the bees but the cannabis was easy it's a medication for adults mostly which they use to relax it's that simple so when they hear cannabis they think oil they don't think smoking or anything weird so as they go through life if they see it in the wrong environment they'll be easily it'll be easy for them to identify this is not really the environment for cannabis and so i agree with you it's about having that conversation with them making them understand exactly what cannabis Absolutely. is and what's yeah. it what its use is yeah. but the, but the the plan cannabis because of the properties and the female properties it is a way to discuss many things including sexuality or birds and bees you know mm. including gender and how we see women because i often equate how we deal with cannabis and how we deal with women in society particularly black women mm. you know it's it's useful when we want it to mm. be useful right when we want to commodify but other than that it's not given value mm. it's not seen it's not recognized so i often use cannabis you know you know as a metaphor if you will mm. for other things so think about it that is a very deep analogy like i've never thought of it that it really way is. and uh, it's 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 sad actually because uh it's we just being used or the cannabis is just used um and i think 
this is why these discussions are so important and even discussions with children to remove the stigma because when you when they are also children are faced in a situation where a friend comes and says oh yeah you know i got this let's try it they know what responsible use is they understand the benefits that cannabis has and also the the stigma that oh we use cannabis for smoking and smoking only people use it just to get high you know so the the discussion and the narrative really does need to change and um going back yeah. to the marketplace um that you you you, you uh, brought up initially uh you're right small businesses is where it's cannabis can grow for africa and i also strongly feel that whatever we do in africa it has to stay in africa we cannot be exporting it um to the west or to the east we need to keep it uh, grow it refine it process it and use it within our borders uh, of Africa, you know. So I think it's just a matter of time that people actually wake up and open their eyes. And as you said, you know, it's uh, we need to free our minds. We just need to free our minds. Absolutely. No, wake on that up, note, smell I'm the cannabis, dead. have a wake and bake and open your eyes. <laughs> There you go. You know, I've often said, not just for cannabis, but if the continent for five to seven years, just anything we're growing and developing, we're not exporting. It stays within the continent and we build it up, build it up. Then afterwards, isn't that what the Chinese did, right? Then afterwards, we can let it out. It allows us to get that leg up. That has been denied based on slavery, colonialism, you know, neo-colonialism and all forms of partnerships, right? That we're constantly seeing with 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 Europe and 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 the um the Americas. So it's really time for us to have platforms like this and advocate on all levels. And the children are an important part of it because by the time you blink, these children are adults, they're teenagers. So if we're normalizing, right, just like how they want to normalize other issues, which I won't get into now, that they're sharing with our children about mom, who's mom and who's dad and so forth. If these things are being normalized, why can't we normalize cannabis, this plant and how we use it and how we relate to it? Because it is about the relationship you know and and the fear because there's also something about instilling fear in children with certain things you know what this is gonna happen to your mother this is gonna happen to your father you know and so it's this illicit dark deep and that's just not the narrative so again normalization and it's interesting one of the oldest advocates um in the united states when i first started doing research 30 plus years ago it's called normal you know um old old i mean they've been on this beat for a long time maybe 50 years yes um trying to again normalize this plant and our perspective on it yes they they are doing quite a a bit of good work out in the states but i know that you've worked with the bob marley foundation and you're currently on the advisory board of afri helios so how has working with them managed to help you put this message out there um and obviously not just for the continent but internationally how how has working with those two institutions helped so i served as managing director for the bob marley foundation in from 2004 and that role was more about pushing policy we actually did a huge event in addis ababa called africa unite and so it was more about using culture and the arts to talk about the unity of Africa and how do we achieve it? What have we done? What is the role and responsibility of everyone? So while that was not necessarily cannabis focused, the trope is always there, right? Anytime you say Bob Marley or Rasta, 
it's there. So it did allow me the opportunity when presenting to bring it up and then, because it was the elephant in the room, you know, ganja, it's the elephant in the room. So it did provide an opportunity to bring it up and then sort of just move on from there because it's not that cannabis is the issue it's how we relate to it right and and how we present it and how we you normalize it so i i, I think my relationship before that managing nanarita marley and working with mrs marley from the late 1980s 90s and so forth and and her support for the plant that was more where we had opportunities to really show how you can be successful how you can be considerate how you can be a social activist if you will and an entrepreneur so it was more about using that soft power to change perspectives on especially as, as women right where the plant was concerned so i think where the marley foundation is concerned and my role there that has had a role but now afro helios it's a new position that i have on the advisory board and i'm extremely excited because it's the first and only company out of Lesotho that is dealing with everything from research, agriculture, distribution, and so forth. And it's a black owned Pan-African company, which means a lot to me. You know, my dear sister, Dr. Tandeka, I've been buying her products since the early 2000s in South Africa, um, House of Hemp. She's been in the game for a very, very long time, but we know the dynamics in South Africa where it's not just us if you will. And, and so, and that has its place, that has its place, but Lesotho, the model of Afrohelios is really focused on empowering Africans, particularly youth and women looking at research development. So their scope. And I think the ethos of the company is, is right up my alley, you know, in terms of ensuring that this company is not just going to be making money, hand over fists and growing some good product, but really having impact on the grassroots level. And because Lesotho is a, a small country, it's easier to set that model up, which they can then be transferred to other countries throughout the continent. I love that. that. That's amazing because that's exactly what the continent needs is a company or companies that are looking to distribute the entire value chain as, as Aku said, beneficiate before you take it out of state. Do everything here and then sell it elsewhere. So having companies having a continental view is so important to the success, economic success of, of cannabis on the African continent. Absolutely. And I was delighted that, you know, their African diaspora, you know, returnees, because that also speaks to the work that I do as the liaison to the African Union for the Diaspora Africa Forum, looking at the role and the contributions that those of us who are returning home have to the continent. So doing this together as kith and kin, brothers and sisters, to show the value that we bring, you know, to strengthen and support, because as far as I'm concerned, I mean, Africa is the bomb. We have all the talent, everything right here, right now. You all are just examples of it in what I call the indigenous African, right? Uninterrupted ancestry. Those of us who were taken away, we, we weren't given choices when we were taken away, right? It was like, get on the ship. This is where you're going to get dropped. That's it, right? <laughs> but luckily now, with this notion of not just repatriation, but reintegration, we can see the value that we were just brothers and sisters that we've been separated. So we're coming home. So it's not a competition and we're coming home to, you know, tell Africans what to do. And no, 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 no. We're doing it together. 
with a great sense of sensitivity to what is best for the continent because somebody can't live in Brooklyn and know what is best for a crop you know we may have ideas and thoughts and th okay let's bring a tractor and let's bring fertilizer and let's bring but no you know we may say but Joburg you know in South Africa this is not what is best for us so I think cannabis as this new emerging industry that many of us in the West have a lot of experience in this is a good opportunity to converge you know our ideas our aspirations and our intellect and our research and development all our skills you know follow us on twitter instagram and reddit at the new age canna pc and watch the whole conversation on youtube it's now time for my favorite part of the show aku are you ready mama testa are you ready Take it away. Okay. Maybe I'm hearing things. Take take it away. Okay, my Modesta. That was that was me you were hearing traumatic about the test. That was my Don't worry, you be Coming fine. You be fine. You be fine. Okay. Oh, what is your favorite strain? Okay, so now I'm old school, right? Yeah. And I don't know, y'all may not have heard of this, but Sensimenia. Okay, okay this is real old school, okay? <laughs> and lamb's bread. They probably come in equal. And interesting thing about these, not to divert from your test for a minute, but one of the things that, you know, we've been working on is a Rastafari declaration and a big section of it deals with ganja. And the fact that many strains are being developed in these very high lab kind of conditions. And so in Jamaica, for instance, where lamb's bread and sensimenia, these were the strains, if you will, they basically disappeared. And so I've heard about a colleague, a brethren, um, who has been going out and finding these strains up in the hills in some of the other islands and bring them back. So building of seed banks is very, very important to preserve. Because you know what they build now? It don't have no seeds, so you can't grow it again. So lamb's bread and sensimenia. Interesting. Okay. Sorry, just on that. So you're, you're quite right. What's interesting there is your traditional indoor or the well-grown cannabis doesn't have seeds so similar to using your gmo fruits that don't come with seeds which means you can't regrow them which means you know what do you is there any economic value for the person with the product that, that's quite an interesting uh, view i didn't think about where it comes to cannabis yeah absolutely and even this term organic although they may be grown in organic you know i mean organic also should include right the wind the air you know these things in nature that allow for bees to come and do their part right all the things in nature that cross pollination and and all of that so you know these are the things that we have to really consider when we talk about strains and where africa is concerned and how do we balance the growth that we're going to be doing is everything going to be done in lab type conditions or will we be able to go back to old school where we have farms that are growing these wonder because how do we do this all along you know and interestingly on that one right now one of the things that's in the news sorry Aku, you will get back to the cannabis no, in no a second problem. and i'll i'll stitch it all together <laughs> so one interesting thing in america specifically in california is that articles are coming out that uh, the dirty side of cannabis cannabis's energy 
hunger because it takes a lot of energy to grow cannabis in a greenhouse setup. Whereas if you use the sun, it's no dirty side to cannabis. So now it's almost as if they're already pushing the negative side to try and, well, when I say they, I don't know who they is, but it's not a problem we in Africa have at all. We have the sun everywhere and we can control conditions well enough exactly. for most products, especially if you're doing extractions. Absolutely. You see, so again, this is where the value of Africa comes in. Even like Lesotho, again, with Afrohelios, they have perfect conditions, perfect climate, you know? So again, not to say that we're opposed to using greenhouses and groweries and so forth, but that cannot be the exclusive thing. You know, let's go back to nature, go back to the roots. And again, this is just really how Rasta has done it. I mean, all these decades that Herb has been growing, whether in Humboldt County in California or up in the hills of St. Anne's, how comes all of a sudden now the only way, but we know why commodification, right? It's the business. It's the formula. And what are we doing now? We're using additional resources that are tearing down the climate and going to cause more climate change. I think that kind of defeats the purpose. Yeah, Sorry. yeah. It's mm-hmm. also one of the things that I think Yao and I have spoken about that if you do introduce a controlled climate type of cannabis industry or environment, then you need to push in a lot of capital. And already as Africans, we don't have that capital to push in tunnels and tunnels of, you know, greenhouses where we have Mm -hmm. the sun, Mm -hmm. we've got the the wind, the air, we've got everything. So why not just use it? Got the land, you know, so so we should should definitely dictate the narrative. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think Afrohelios and companies like them that hopefully will will follow suit are again the examples so it's not just speaking rhetorically and this is what it looks like on paper but Afrohelios can show okay this model works so it's low capital investment you know uh, a, a, a startup, a, a lady in a community who's the farmer or a man in a community, a youth in a community, whatever. Here's a few seeds because this is the critical thing now. These seeds. I mean, there are some seeds that are costing for one seed, $10, $20, $30 and more for a seed. You understand? So we have to be really, really careful and again, ensure that we are developing our seed banks. This is an important part of this. Otherwise, they are going to try and move us out the market. But Africa has some serious seeds, indigenous seeds and strains that we need to be looking at right now. And like I said, developing that seed bank so they don't just come in, scoop down, and then we know the rest of the story. Colonization of cannabis. It's next. It's on the horizon. Interestingly enough, that's what I've been referring to it as as well. Cannabis colonization. Turning Africa into the raw extract continent. Excuse me. Again, just like with gold. Yeah. And all the other did you sneeze? Did you sneeze? Yes, I did. True word. In Jamaica, when somebody sneeze for something that's said, it means it's a true word. So you have just confirmed affirmation. Nice. <laughs> I received the blessings. True word. True word. True word, yeah. Okay. We can keep going. Okay. Mama Desta, what is your favorite way to consume cannabis? Is it drinking, edible, smoking, topical? Smoking. Smoking. The process for me 
is 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 spiritual it's um tactile it's that feeling from cleaning the herb you know sewing the herb you know it's it's so intimate it's it's spiritual you know every aspect of it you know picking out the the, the stem or whatever it may be and i'm probably dating myself you know i mean and in, in in ethiopia and on the continent we don't have this hybrid stuff that you burn when you're here you know um in the u.s but that process for me and and the oils the oils even getting into my fingers has its own medicinal you know benefit so for me really really burning i'm must say though you know i had some serious toothaches maybe about a month or so ago and my daughter which i was so free i was like oh my gosh i can't eat it i don't know anything about edibles i'm gonna die when i'm having a panic attack but the pain was so intense and i'm telling you within not even 10 minutes you know after doing one of the edibles my pain just went away completely but it did i did kind of freak out before it because again i've never really eaten i've just you know i said burn or maybe drink a little tea so where pain management is concerned the edibles i'm okay i'm in for it. okay so what kind of edible was it was it a gummy or was it, it was a cookie it was a, it was a chocolate chip cookie yummy yummy <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Okay, that, that was one of the questions. <laughs> um, blunt or joint? Joint. I don't. I don't mix. I mingle. <laughs> yeah, the purity again, old school. You know, just the purity from time to time. Because I, I used to get bronchitis periodically. Um, I may put a little mullein or a, a tiny bit of rosemary in because again, that has its own medicinal properties. But just straight, and I always try to find you know, the the highest grade, the paper to roll with from time to time. Banana leaf, oh, okay. young banana, dried leaf. You know is also nice to burn with yeah did, did that uh, give you an idea <laughs> i thought so <laughs> okay who are your i saw his eyes <laughs> yeah. Banana leaf. Mm. <laughs> yeah. do you have any cannabis celebrities or advocates that you admire you know i, I think certainly nana rita marley has always been my champion for so many i've worked with her she's mentored me um for over for three decades and you know her song one draw you know is like an anthem um so i i certainly think um she's an important person in my life for so many reasons not just as a cannabis activist but using her soft power in so many ways to move the needle for um africans especially youth and women on the continent so i think certainly um nana rita marley um snoop I love Snoop. <laughs> yeah, I I I love Snoop. Um again, you know, he just keeps it so real, so raw. Um you know, so yeah, I think those two. Okay. Forgot a name. Three choices. <laughs> okay. Favorite movie or song about cannabis? I know you mentioned one. One draw. draw. <laughs> okay. There it is. Okay. Indica or sativa? Probably sativa by about a half of a percent. Okay. <laughs> Again, old school. Old school. school. <laughs> okay. Your favorite munchy food? Cherries, Ooh. mango, and when not available, let me see. Roasted peanuts and cashews, and if I go really like off the deep end, popcorn. Oh. 
Okay. And cookies and ice cream. Come on. Yeah. Come on. That's a standard go-to. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, we're almost we're almost done. Almost done. Okay. Your favorite capability of the plant, be it medicinal, construction, properties, biofuel, etc. Anything. You know, I I think the spiritual part of it. That's my favorite part. The the way that I'm able to connect with my spiritual, the God within me, you know, and that unleashes my abilities and powers to then do my part within society, be it my writing, be my advocacy, my curating, whatever it may be. So I do believe that it starts with me, you know, unleashing that spiritual power through the plant as a heavy, heavy sacrament. So on a, on a personal level, internally, I put sacrament first. Um, externally, I think the medicinal part is probably so important because we're living in a world with so much illness, so many diseases, so much suffering that if this plant can help and, and, and let's, when a person is in pain, that person will tend to be cantankerous, angry, not in their best state, not necessarily because that's who they are, but because the pain is so intense, whatever they're going through, whether it's mental illness or physical illness. So I think, you know, and as Rastafari, we call the plant the healing of the nation. So this is why I would put the healing aspect of it or the medicinal part of it first and foremost, because you cannot talk about, you know, industry and all the, the benefits that it has if we're not in an environment with well people, you know? So for me, that's what I think is important. Let's heal the nation. Let's get our people in a state of wellness, because whether it's that CEO who is going to develop the next product um, from him, if he is in a well-being, a well state of mind, then whatever he's developing and how he does it or she does it is going to be that much better okay my last question for you mama Desta. um which african country would you most like to experience the indigenous cannabis culture from you know i i would have to say ethiopia i'm living in ethiopia it's very taboo there and where other countries have been opened up ethiopia i think is gonna have a ways to go before we get there unless political forces come into play and we know how politics can help to again move the needle and shape opinions right geopolitics anyway but the history of cannabis in Ethiopia and its relationship with the Ethiopian Orthodox Church and the Bahatawi, who are like monks that do use it. It would be interesting to see that come about again in the country. Also, you know, we're second in population to Nigeria. It's over 110 million people. So I think the impact culturally and otherwise, spiritually, would really be good. And right now, we need everybody to be medicated because our country is going through some hella stuff right now. Yes. And so if we could pass that chalice and sit down and just kind of bring it down a notch, you know, and get everybody in a sacred space. And, you know, I'm, I'm saying this sort of tongue in cheek and in a joke, but I'm, I'm like serious. Like we need something right now that's going to bring it back a notch and bring peace once again into this beloved country, Ethiopia, that the whole Africa looks to having never been colonized and so forth. So Ethiopia. Did I pass? Yes, you did. Flying colors. <laughs> Flying colors. <laughs> Don't forget to comment, like, and subscribe to the New Age Cannabis Podcast. What is your final message to the African diaspora? What is your call to action? What, with regards to cannabis, do you think they need to do now to make sure that whatever happens going forward is what they need, what the continent needs 
in order for us to all prosper. So if the message is to the African diaspora specifically, advocate, advocate, advocate. Ensure that within your state or within your country, be it the United States, be it Canada or whatever, ensure that you are pushing, lobbying, advocating, not necessarily hands off of Africa, but consider what Africa wants. Don't just go in because Canada is supposed to be very liberal and but still they're going in there and, and, and colonizing. So wherever you are within the diaspora, ensure that your legislators, your policymakers, your governing bodies understand clearly what is in the best interest of Africa. Use your voting power within that capacity, right? And also, secondly, what can be done from the African diaspora is investment. For instance, Afrohelios, you know, House of Hemp and all these other companies that do have the possibility for you to invest in those companies. If you're not willing to repatriate, repatriate your dollars, you know, invest in those companies and start to see them grow because in the long term, you'll have that little nest egg on the continent. And you'll be able to say that even if you didn't go, your money went and helped to develop the continent. Third, do what you can with platforms like this to change the narrative. Use every opportunity you can to end the propaganda and the negative tropes and stereotypes, be it on media that they have in movies or whatever where Ganja is concerned. You know, use your voice to be that advocate for change to ensure that the continent cannot be and will not be colonized once again and be come just where the manufacturer like are we like we are right now it's just a raw good right and we take it out we process it and then they'll send it back to africa and a joint will cost us ten dollars to burn and it won't have a seed in it you know so ensure that we're on the same page where the african continent is concerned and as i said it's 55 countries so every country has different needs desires whatever but the one thing that we should all share is how we view this plant and it's as an opportunity and that it should be accepted accessible, whether on a research, agriculture, distribution, um, medicinal use, whatever, personal, private use, this should be the one song that the whole of the continent is singing. And the African diaspora, particularly the influences, the snoops, the big names, you know, because they do impact how Africa sees herself, if not at the government level, at least, you know, um, civil society. Yeah. So this is definitely something that can be done from the African diaspora perspective. Very nice. Very nice. So thank you so much, Mama Desta, for sitting with us today. I really appreciate it. We really appreciate it. Um, the conversation is phenomenal. The insight, uh, the energy. Thank you so much for, for coming and speaking with us on New Age Cannabis Podcast. Yes, thank you so much, Mama. Thank you, Brother Yao. <laughs> where can we find you? Social media handles, emails. Where can the diaspora contact you? Sure. So on Facebook, it's Desta Megu, M E G H O O, Desta, D E S T A. And then on Instagram, which it's so terrible, and I have such wonderful followers, and I post intermittently, but it's Dr. Desta M. So you can find me there. And if someone wants to email, made by Africans at yahoo.com made by Africans at yahoo.com. You can contact me for, you know, one-to-one -one information on anything, but again, Facebook and Instagram, Dr. Desta M. Thank you so much. Fantastic. Thank you both. Thanks to Dr. Desta Magoo for coming on the show. We had an amazing conversation and hearing about how cannabis helped to raise 10 kids, deal with racism in the 70s, and how she sees the role of cannabis in the African developmental agenda.
Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Reddit at the New Age Canna PC and watch the whole conversation on YouTube.